to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Now, last week, we talked about the altars of God. And we looked at the tabernacle in essence. And we pictured the tabernacle. And we looked at how it points to the Lord Jesus. There are so many other things we could have mentioned about the tabernacle. But specifically, our focus was on the altars of the tabernacle. Now, it's very difficult to give a recap. I'll just admonish you to go and watch the sermon. Now, I want us to understand something about the tabernacle and the temple. Now, I don't want you to get confused when we talk about the tabernacle and the temple. Primarily, the tabernacle was mobile, the temple was stationary. There were some differences in design, but primarily the tabernacle was mobile. They could carry the tabernacle because at that point they were very nomadic. And then the temple was stationary. And if you remember, the temple was built after the time of David, and that's during the time of Solomon. And that temple was later rebuilt after some time. And when it was rebuilt, Jesus had prophesied that that temple would crash. As a matter of fact, if you've read in the scriptures, he said not one stone would be, would be left. And that prophecy was fulfilled, I think, somewhere around AD 30-something. Wonderful, right? And currently, no matter what is built, we're still waiting for that one there will be that one. And on that day together, we'll sing with one voice, every tongue, every nation as one. I think there's a certain sweet psalmist who wrote that. Now, I want us to understand that Jesus, when he came, okay, let's, let's just explain this. The reason why God asked them to build the tabernacle and the reason why God asked them to build the temple was so that he could have somewhere to meet them. It was so that they could have an interaction with them because God has always loved being with men. That's the reason why the tabernacle was built. Now, a prophecy had been given 
that the virgin would give birth to a son. And you would call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. So the moment Jesus walked on earth, there was now a challenge. The challenge was now, where were you going to find God? Were you going to have to go to the tabernacle to find him? Were you going to have to go to the temple to find him? Or was there a man whom when he was walking, he was the tabernacle and he was the temple? I want you to look at this description of the Lord Jesus. And I want you to see this. John 1, verse 14. And I want us to see it from the Amplified. John 1, verse 14. Hey! Hey! By the time we're done. (laughs) So John 1, verse 14. The Bible says, And the word, Christ, became flesh. That's human, incarnate. And what happened? And tabernacled. That is, he fixed his tent of flesh and lived a while among us. The word, who in the beginning was God, tabernacled among us. Not only do we see the word tabernacle being used on Jesus. Someone would say, maybe you've amplified it. We also see the Lord Jesus directly referring to himself as the temple. Directly referring to himself as the temple. You find that in John chapter number 2 and verse let's look, let's look from verse 18. There is no um, from the four gospels if there is a gospel that refers to Jesus in his divinity it's John. Now it says so the Jews answered him and said at this point I think this is the point where he had uh, thrown away things in church and whipped one or two people. <laughs> he, he gave them a physical deliverance. <laughs> that one. <laughs> so it says, the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Look at his response. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. Look at their response. And the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you raise it up in three days. Let's go on. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Next verse. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So Jesus walking on earth was the temple of God on earth. Jesus walking on earth was the tabernacle on earth. We are getting to a certain part where the altars apply to us. But I just want us to understand this. Actually, this is recap if you've sat under this ministry because we teach this every year. At least twice a year, this sermon always comes back with more revelation. Praise God. 
but it's always so fresh. Eh? Now, Jesus did not want to remain alone in this. We've read the scripture, unless a can of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain alone. But if it dies, it will produce many. Jesus wanted to produce many of his kind. And there is a prophecy that Jesus gave, which I really want us to pay attention to because it will really be the bedrock of what we're doing. Last week, we looked at the tabernacle. We looked at how it all pointed to Jesus, specifically the two altars. That's the altar of, let's call it the altar of sacrifice, where bloody sacrifices were made, and the altar of incense. But then, ladies and gentlemen, I want to show us how that um, we now have been given a responsibility to participate in this realm of divinity. So for starters, I want you to see this. Jesus always predicted that things were going to shift from being physical to being spiritual. In John chapter 4, he went to a well. He had sent his disciples to go buy food. So meaning, you know, you can learn a lot about followership from there. It means part of the disciples following Jesus was doing errands. <laughs> Service will always involve errands. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Service will always involve some form of errands. That's something that I noticed. Um, it's something that I noticed, actually. I was actually remembering um, it as well. So let's continue. Now, he sends them to buy food, meaning eating was a very important aspect, and for them to all go. Okay, imagine how much food they were coming back with. <laughs> Probably it was a lot, eh? <laughs> okay. And also means they didn't multiply bread every day. <laughs> right? Okay. So now, they've even given me the verse. So now Jesus meets this woman at the well, and she's a Samaritan. And Jews and Samaritans never used to mix. The Jews considered the Samaritans to be dogs, unholy. And that if you interact with them, you pervert yourself. Now Jesus meets this Samaritan woman. And they begin a conversation. Jesus asked for water. And, you know, the woman is like, Come on, you're a Jew, you're asking me for water. Like, I'm a Samaritan, you know? And then Jesus is saying, if you knew who you're talking to, <laughs> you'd be the one asking me for water. And so the woman analyzes and realizes he didn't even carry a bucket. So the woman goes like, look, you don't even have anything to use to draw water. Where, and, and Jesus specifically said, live in water. You know, when I was young and I heard of these scriptures, I thought <laughs> the day I encounter living water, like when I drink it, I'll start feeling like bubbles inside, like, like it's moving, it wants to talk to me, so I was afraid of living water. So please, be explaining this stuff to the Sunday school well, eh? I was terrified. So now, and she even emphasized that this well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Praise God. Give me the next verse. 
And then she dares him. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Uh -huh. Jesus answered and said, well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, even Jacob. But the water that I give, <laughs> this one, it becomes in them a fountain of water springing up into eternal everlasting life. I'm avoiding digressing because this topic, it's my topic. Now, let's go on. Now, we notice how Jesus changed the topic and says, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And says, you've had five. And the one you're with right now, means she was cohabiting. The one you're with right now is not even your husband. Now, I've done a whole write-up on that in the book, Friend from Another Dimension, where I explained why he switched. But in essence, perhaps the fact that she kept on marrying and remarrying and marrying and remarrying, perhaps it shows that there is water that she was looking for. But she wasn't getting satisfied, so she kept thirsting. So the moment Jesus changed the topic to the husbands, she also changed the topic. Notice after the husband one. She just said, I see her prophet. Change of topic. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Now, this is very important. It means that, according to the Jews, they were saying, if you want the presence of God, you have to go to Jerusalem. That's the only place you'll find it. And then, according to her fathers, it was, if you want to find the presence of God, you have to go to the mountain. That's the only way you'll worship. That's the only way you'll find him. And then, according to that person, that side, it was, if you want to truly worship God, you only have to sing a slow song, like, hallelujah. That's the, those are the only ones God listens to. And then, according to that guy in the corner, for him, what he knows is, if you really want the presence of God, be real, be real. You go, hey, hey God, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love my God, I really love him. Hey, need he pay? And stuff like that. And then according to that other person on that side, it's not praise. It's not praise if you've not, Shana, Shana, Shana. That's where God is found. Then another person praises, so jump to the right, jump to the left. And then, so like, she finally had the question, which was, which one is the right one? How do we do it? Which one is the best? What, what does God want to receive? Then she, Jesus gives a prophecy. Notice what he says. So he says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Then he explained to them that for them, they're actually worshiping what they don't know. He says, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But notice the statement. He says, but the hour is coming and now is 
When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such. Okay. How many people here are not Zambian? Like, I need three volunteers. No, I, no don't give me like those spiritual things from, from Zion. Sha, sha. No, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. We've got Philippa. You can stand. Any other two people? Okay, Ashley, you can come through. So me, we've got Angola, we've got Zim. Any other country? Any, any, anyone, just lift your hand. Okay, you've come through. You can come through. Was there like Zion? <laughs> anyone who's from the city of solemnities? Where <laughs> nobody says I am sick. Anyone from that country? <laughs> okay, now, it's just for illustration purposes. Um, come through. You can stand with them. Stand with them. Don't, don't be shy. I'm sure by now somebody will come with the mic. So that's... Um, so that's Zim, that's Namibia, and that's Angola, right? Okay, so wonderful. Now, I just want us to just get a picture of that. It says, but the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshippers worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him, right? Next verse. It says, um, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's have an illustration. At the same time, I want one, like, I want one Zambian person who, like, really, not like these guys, like these people I know who, they're literally just Osakans. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, I want, like, someone who, I can take them anywhere in Zambia, and they can freely <laughs> navigate the environment. Okay, so you stand on this side. <laughs> now, it's really just for illustration purposes, right? Okay, so, what? What language? Um, hey. I have no idea any word from any of those from Lunda or Imagine. <laughs> Imagine you came for service and we decided to dedicate 20 minutes and we're singing, That's Lunda, right? No, Kawande, that's Kawande. How, how would you feel? Wait, what does that even mean? Kuawanze is... Mwajila is holy. Kuawanze, Mwajila. Okay. I sing it. No, no, no. Fine, sing it for a minute in your language. Kungwabanze, Kungwabanze. Kungwabanze wajila Yeupena bumiyawu What does that mean? Oh, he's the one who gives life? Wonderful. You'll see the illustration shortly. Let's have Regina. Regina is from Namibia, right? I know one word. 
I know one phrase in, I don't know whether they call it Namibian, but I, <laughs> I know one phrase, and I feel proud whenever I say it. Walilepo. Did I say it right? Yes, Pastor, you did. Okay, that means good morning or something, right? Yes. I'm told in the afternoon it changes to Walepo or something. Mohalapo. Okay. <laughs> How do you feel every time I greet you in your language? It feels really nice. Yeah. Really? Yes. How come? Um, I can like I can say I can connect with you. Yeah, when you say it. Because I, I make sure to greet her, her language almost every time I see her. Wonderful. Let's have Philippa. Philippa, you know every language in Zambia, but nevertheless, <laughs> with your sempro, what language is it? Sempro, padre. <laughs> Sing for us. In Portuguese. You can sing forever, all oh my days, I love you, Lord, in Portuguese. Para sempre minha vida te amarei, Senhor. Para sempre minha vida te amarei, Senhor. How, how would you feel if you came to church and then we all, not like one person, like all of us sang it like that for like 30 minutes? It would be nice. I would feel, I think there's a deeper level I would connect with the lyrics of the song. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it would feel like more like home. Not like home, but more like home. I hear you. Final example, Ashley. Ashley, two weeks ago, I think the priest team... Um, the praise team sang, What was your reaction? You should have seen me jumping. <laughs> you should have seen me jumping. Uh -huh. um, it was amazing. I was so happy. I was jumping, I was dancing, I was sweating. It, it really felt nice. Did you do that Zimbabwean dance? <laughs> I danced. You dance a lot. Yeah. And how do you feel when anyone greets you in your language? Um, it feels very nice yeah. because it takes away from the feeling of being a foreign entity. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think from now on, every time I see you, I will say Makadi. <laughs> now, light moment, but you know I use them as an example. God, all along, was tired of translations tired of translating like the animal to the blood to the smoke to the what he was waiting for a moment where we'll speak his language where we'll go into his realm and worship him directly in spirit so as good as you experience it when somebody speaks a language only you know you can imagine how god feels when we worship him in spirit So, congratulations, you've just been part of an example. You can get your seats with a step. <laughs> now, I, I just always wanted us to have a bit of an understanding. And in case you wanted to know, that's one of the reasons why he even gives us heavenly languages. 
It's our little language. The same Senior, that's what I heard. <laughs> and, and you know what? One thing I learned to do is that wherever I preach, I try to, like, I, I don't move a lot in Zambia, but whenever I do, I'm just being honest, I don't. I'm always here. But whenever I do, I try to sort of like learn the language of the place. So like, if you go to the copper belt, you have to have like one or two bimba examples, and then there's, the bimba for the copper belt is different from like the bimba for this side. So at some point, you have to say, hey, and then Peter said to John, which pondo and the way? As in they will love you. <laughs> I, I was invited to Mazabuka to minister. And first part, as in they were not answering. I tried, oh Lord, I love you. Just looking at me. And I went, when Jesus, hey, as if they were louder than my mic. Meaning, there's just an ease that happens when you connect with people from their realm. Now, Jesus prophesied that a time would come when rather than needing a place, would just need to be in the spirit. I mean, right now, as it stands, I can close my eyes and there's no difference in that moment between heaven and earth. And the Lord Jesus is right there. And I can give him my best right there. And I can do it anytime. Can you imagine that? Now, I want us to understand, ladies and gentlemen, for us to properly understand this, and I'm still introducing. No, I'm the resident pastor. So I don't mind finishing in five weeks. You, where will you go? I want us to understand something about the significance of Jesus' death. Now, in such sermons, what I'm doing is that I'm connecting things from so many places, but we're going in a certain direction. Now, the tabernacle, can we, do we still have the photo of the tabernacle? Okay, let's have the photo one more time. Now, I want you to see this. So now, there is something very significant I want us to understand which will lead us to that place of being in the spirit, right? Now, there are three parts. We've got the outer court, the holy place, the holy of holies. Now, as I said, 
the Jews used to call this gate as the way. The door was called the truth. And the veil was called... Now, have you observed with the veil, it's even like bigger. The reason is the veil had these thick curtains such that if you are going to remove them, you would need, from what some historians have said, at least 300 people on each side. That's how thick the curtains were. It was, the presence of God was a no-go area. And then behind the veil, you would find the presence of God. Now, these thick curtains also symbolize the veil that's on people's eyes when they are not born again, and they resist the gospel. Now, the interesting thing is Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Now, that through me is not just figurative. They literally had to be a spear. <laughs> no one gets the Father unless through me. So the veil had to be torn. Now, I want you to observe something that happened when Jesus died. Look at Matthew. I almost said Matthew. <laughs> Chapter number 27, verse 50. There are some strange things that happened the day Jesus died. Matthew 27 and verse 50. I want you to picture it. Eh? So Matthew 27 and verse 50. And by the way, just some more history. It was also believed among the Pharisees that if the veil was ever torn, it meant the presence of God had left. And it was now Ichabod. So Matthew 27, do we have it? Verse 50. I'll, I'll go ahead of you. It says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. The day Jesus died, I don't want to talk about that mass resurrection because that's a story for another day. And there's also a theology on that one. But the day Jesus died, the veil was torn. No one tore it. But the fact that they had, when Jesus walked on earth, now he was the temple. It meant the moment they tore his flesh, they tore the veil. So the day Jesus died, the veil was torn. Now that meant a few things. One of them was, it meant from that point on, the temple was no longer the place where the presence of God was residing. The presence had left that temple. But then it also meant that Jesus had now given us access to that which was restricted for a while. Ladies and gentlemen, I want us to understand that that which was restricted we now had access to. 
Now, Jesus didn't just die, he resurrected. Let's continue connecting. We're going somewhere. He didn't just die, he resurrected. The reason he resurrected was so that we could have a newness of life. You find that in Romans 6, 4. Romans 6, 4. Sometimes for me, these are the hardest sermons to prepare because there are a lot of scriptures I remove. So there are not too many. So the ones that I'm sharing today are very little. <laughs> it says, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. When he resurrected, there are certain provisions he made so that we could fulfill John 4. One of the provisions he made is, A, we became, we became, our bodies became the temple of God. Our bodies became the temple of God. You find that in 1 Corinthians 3 and in 1 Corinthians 6. We can look at it from 1 Corinthians 6. And you can give me verse 19. He says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have from God and you're not your own. Your body became the temple of God. That means within you are altars. Within you are altars. Because your body now became the temple of God. That body you're looking at, that's the temple of the Holy Spirit. If somebody is looking for the address of the Holy Spirit, they've found it. Your body became the temple of God. That's something that his resurrection did for us. It made provision for our bodies to be able to house God. Say, so my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Say, so in the name of Jesus, I awaken to that reality. Your body became the temple of the Spirit. The other thing that he did, and there are so many, but I'm just emphasizing two for purposes of this lesson, is that he also then made you a priest. Not only is your body a temple, you've also been given a priesthood such that you can service the altars on that temple. Because remember, only the priests would service the altar. Your body is the temple of the Spirit, and you've now got a mandate to service the altars. Let me just show you that you're a priest. Revelations chapter 5. Revelations chapter 5. And I want us to look at verse... Maybe let's, for context, let's go a bit earlier. If there is something that they praise the Lord Jesus for in heaven, it's making you a priest. You may think, Pastor, me, a priest. 
Do you know where I've been? That's why they praise him. <laughs> That's why they praise him. They're like, hey, that one's a priest. Then <laughs> they'll turn, Mula Lingen Sheila. Let's Shaba. Then the one everyone counted out. Again, that one, he makes a priest and king. They turn to him. You give beauty for ashes. <laughs> now, it says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Uh-huh. Then I saw a strong angel. Now, for this angel to be called strong, because <laughs> I, I, I would think naturally, it says, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? It's gone. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Exodus. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. Now, observe the word used there is worthy. Worthy means deserving. Worthy means you've earned it. There's something that you've done that has qualified you to earn something. So John wept. Next verse. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Let's continue. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood the lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. If you have no idea what the seven spirits of God, I literally did a series on this last, last year, right? We had seven days of the Holy Ghost. Explained all seven. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand Can I, of, who, of him who sat on the throne. Now, I want you to look at this verse. When he had taken the scroll, the four living... When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are... The prayers of the same. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy. I want different verses. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Now, why was he called worthy? Verse 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. They are worshipping him, saying, look, this one is worthy. Why? Because not only has he redeemed us by his blood, he's also made us something. He's made something out of us. He's made us kings, and he's also made us priests. You are a priest. So stop getting offended when people nickname you Abusa. 
Someone came to me in the office, pastor, they're making fun of me at school. They're calling me a pastor. I'm like, and you are, what, what are you trying to say about me? <laughs> I said, what do you want them to call you? Senior Jezebel, is that the name you'd prefer? No, I asked, I asked. Choose one. <laughs> the Lord bless their soul. <laughs> He's made us kings and priests. And you know what's written on the vessels of the Lord, right? But that's a topic for another day. Holiness unto the Lord. He's made us kings and priests. You find that as well in 1 Peter 2.9. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're sitting next to a priest. As priests of God, we can now service the altars of God. Now, do you remember the altar of sacrifices? where they would always carry an animal and they would have it sacrificed. Now for us, the blood of Jesus constantly speaks. But you know, there's also something we can do to honor that altar. Here's what we can do. The altar of the Lord Jesus was the cross. And then he also told us to carry our cross in Matthew 10, 28. Worthy means you've earned it. There's something that you've done that has qualified you to earn something. So John wept. Next verse. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Let's continue. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. If you have no idea what the seven spirits of God, I literally did a series on this last, last year, right? We had seven days of the Holy Ghost. Explained all seven. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand Can I, of, who, of him who sat on the throne. Now, I want you to look at this verse. When he had taken the scroll, the four living... When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy. I want different verses. They sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Now why was he called worthy? Verse 10. 
and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. They are worshipping him, saying, look, this one is worthy. Why? Because not only has he redeemed us by his blood, he's also made us something. He's made something out of us. He's made us kings, and he's also made us priests. You are a priest. So stop getting offended when people nickname you Abusa. Someone came to me in the office, pastor, they're making fun of me at school. They're calling me a pastor. I'm like, and you are, what, what are you trying to say about me? <laughs> I said, what do you want them to call you? Senior Jezebel, is that the name you would prefer? No, I asked, I asked. Choose one. <laughs> the Lord bless their soul. <laughs> He's made us kings and priests. And you know what's written on the vessels of the Lord, right? But that's a topic for another day. Holiness unto the Lord. He's made us kings and priests. You find that as well in 1 Peter 2.9. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're sitting next to your priest. As priests of God, we can now service the altars of God. Now, do you remember the altar of sacrifices? where they would always carry an animal and they would have it sacrificed. Now for us, the blood of Jesus constantly speaks. But you know, there's also something we can do to honor that altar. Here's what we can do. The altar of the Lord Jesus was the cross. And then he also told us to carry our cross in Matthew 10, 28. Meaning, we may bear the Lord's burden and sacrifice the desires of the flesh to follow him, even when it's unpopular. As a matter of fact, Romans 12 verse 1 says something interesting. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Which is your acceptable service. It's your well-pleasing service. I'm not in any way trying to shoot down the song because I like it, especially certain parts. But since I'm your pastor, I can talk here. I wouldn't talk anywhere else. But it's not true that there's nothing you can do which will let God down. There's things you can do which will let him down. It's not true. It's not scripture. For example, living the way you want. 
We are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And when it says sacrifice, do you remember, do you know what they used to do with the sacrifices those days? They would grab it by the horns because it would refuse. There are some sacrifices which were stubborn. The sheep would walk patiently. There are some goats as well. For every sheep, there were goats. <laughs> they would grab it by the horns, saying, you come want me, we are sacrificing you. Chakana, chataba, Come back. I want my sins forgiven. What would you do? I mean, it has run away, and you need it to be sacrificed for you to, for your sins to be forgiven for that year. And it's the only one you own. You will chase after it. Mountains, you will chase. <laughs> now, in the same way, ladies and gentlemen, you have to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Your body doesn't just refer to your physical side. It refers to everything about you, really. Your mind, your thoughts, your will. Sometimes it will humbly obey you like a sheep. Sometimes <laughs> it will show you flames. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You can come into this place and decide that you will never take another bottle of alcohol again. As in your leg has just stepped out. Everything in you. Everything in you. Not even like everything in you is desiring it. And on that day, you even heard the Lord. Four angels appeared to you. When you looked in front, I was glowing. And and stuff like that. You're just removing your leg. And everything in you. At that moment, the decision to go home and drink some water <laughs> on earth may look small to others, but in heaven, there is this fire that goes out like, Vroom. what just happened? What just happened? No, that person decided to offer their body as a living sacrifice. I don't know if you're getting my point. You may make a decision today saying, look, I'm refraining uh, from immorality. I'm not going to do anything that's outside the marriage bed and stuff like that. You're just walking out. You're receiving messages. (laughs) And even your body starts giving you signals. (laughs) The challenge is, ladies and gentlemen, that if we don't deal with those aspects, then we may not really have Christianity. Because the first foundation is repentance from dead works. And also we'll give the world the right to disqualify everything about us. Because we've not dealt with the very first thing. Because what we've preached is that this God can save us from sin. But the reason I'm saying this is because um, it's something that you will have to cooperate and deliberately deal with. As long as you're on earth, as long as you're in an earthen body, there will always be this thing that exists called the flesh that you have to defeat. No wonder the Bible says, he who thinks he's standing, let him take heed lest he fall. How can I put it? It's, it's a paradox. 
it's almost as if you have to live as though if there's somebody who would find it easy to fall, it's you. Let me explain what I mean. Let me explain what I mean. I remember one incident. I was in my, I think I shared it in the seminar, but I'll, I'll share it here just for reference. I was in my second year. And I'm taking a walk. And whether they were joking or serious, there were these ladies that were talking, they were from my class. And they begin saying stuff. They were asking, which guy do you like? So one of them mentioned my name. I wasn't paying attention, I was really in my own world. And I had a bag. And in half a second, someone comes and like puts their arm around me like this. I'll never forget that day. <laughs> I removed it, grabbed my bag, and I ran for my dear life. <laughs> Let me tell you why I ran. What if I started enjoying it? Oh, why should I trust my flesh? Rain for my dear rain. And I became careful. And, and you know something about the flesh? What the flesh does is that it can offer you temporal things. And what Satan does, and the way he works, is that he will encourage you. And the moment something happens, he will be the same one. As in, it's, not even, it's not even conviction of the spirit. It's condemnation from Satan. As in, he'll be the same one. You even call yourself a Christian. Look at how dirty you are. Look at how, that's, the, that's the voice of Satan. He'll be the same one who does that. If you had to ask me, knowing that that's his nature, that's one reason why I'm very, get me right, there's the only place I can say this. That's one reason why you know, he, he uses people and then mocks them. He used Judas. Afterward, I don't know if you've read in the scriptures, Judas got so depressed after what he had done that he went and took his life. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. The same Satan that entered him afterwards mocked him over it because the Holy Spirit convicts. He doesn't condemn. That's one reason why I get very... Like my spiritual brain gets very, I use this word loosely, very concerned how the spirit of suicide works. Because it offers a form of rest. We've never spoken to anyone on the other side. So we can only use our 
Sunesis. That's our spiritual understanding. But I can only imagine one second afterwards, someone who thought they were going to be resting may actually find themselves not resting. And they might find the same influence mocking them for not fulfilling their destiny. That's how he works. He's very devious. Very devious. So we are to, every day, offer this body as a living sacrifice. So please, in your daily declarations, if you want, you can include it. So even today as I've woken up, I've offered this body as a living sacrifice. These eyes, they're living sacrifice. They won't look at what they want to look. I'm the one who tell them. They, you know, some men, you need to start doing that now. You can't have your eyes controlling you. You control them. Tell them, you, you are a living sacrifice. You don't follow, follow, follow. Some people should tell their heart, you, you're a living sacrifice. Not falling enough to for for. <laughs> Today, that one, the next day, the other day, the other day. (laughs) And when it's really a sacrifice is when there's an opportunity for a gain. There's an opportunity for some pleasure of some sort. Praise God. When there's an opportunity to manifest your anger, Anger is one of the most dangerous emotions. From what I've read, it's very dangerous. You know why I say so? Why anger is dangerous is because in the moment of anger, you, there's something you feel like satisfying. Anger can make a person feel, if I am to punch this one's face, somehow I'll feel good. By them feeling bad, by their face hurting, I'll feel good. By, if an anger can get bad, someone can just be thinking, you know, this person has overdone it. I'm just going to find a way, I'll eliminate them, I'll take their life, I'll do A, B, C, D. And you don't joke around such stuff. In short, you're saying, okay, I'll feel good when I see that, when I see a funeral, and I see all those people crying, and I see all those things. And then anger deceives, because after the moment it's expressed, it mocks you. The moment it leaves, you're like, that's not me. I shouldn't have said that. No, those were not my words. No, I didn't mean that. No, I didn't mean... We have to offer this thing as a living sacrifice, ladies and gentlemen. And it may not be easy. Sometimes it can run away. Go get it. Bring it back by the horns. Bring it back to the altar. Drag it. Where you need help. Some cows are too big. Find friends. Grab it, all of you. You are going to be sacrificed. Praise God. (laughs) Now, that's one aspect. The second aspect, and I'm almost done. (laughs) Is somebody being blessed? Is the Bible getting more and more real? So there was that one where they would offer bloody sacrifices, right? And it was outside. And I'm saying, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Then on the inside,
is the women's Sunday next week? Sorry? Okay, wonderful. I was about to talk about the second one, the altar of incense, and I've got such a revelation on it. I was held back last week. I literally heard the Spirit of God say, don't share it now. I heard him say, don't share it now. His exact words were, don't share it now. There's something I want to tell you about concerning it this week. One thing I will say, why perhaps this one is special. Some years ago, I've forgotten when, three or four years ago, I had, I had a very strange experience. So I was dreaming, and I dreamt that there was a knock at the door, and I woke up. So in the dream, I woke up. So now, whether in the flesh, I don't know. But I went outside, and I found three people. They looked like normal human beings, but there was something about them. And they all said at the same time, we have been sent of the Lord to give you a message. Then, like I'm, I'm like standing before them, my knees start wobbling. Before I know it, I'm kneeling down, then I'm trying to get up because I'm feeling shy because I know that I'm not supposed to kneel before them. But then the glory that's being emanated was just too high. So then they each began giving me a message. The first one spoke to me concerning something. The second one spoke to me concerning something. The first one spoke to me about numbers. Numbers and the ministry. And one of the things they said was God had observed that we genuinely had the passion to raise quality believers. So he was going to give us a lot of people to raise. But we should pray every day. The second one spoke to me about a few things, quite a number of things actually. The second one actually even like said their name, but I've never said it. Because sometimes when people's hearts are not sanctified, they can find, oh God, now I pray to angel this. <laughs> so I just kept it. Even in my writings, I never wrote it down. And the second one says, A, B, C, D, and this is how I work. And then, that one began to speak to me about the gifts of the Spirit. And how the gifts would work in the church. And how what God was looking for is not necessarily people who um, 
been praised everywhere or anything, but anyone who was just willing and loyal. Anyone who was just willing and loyal. As in, they'll be able to flow in anything. Workings of miracles, gifts of healings, all those things. I remember it like it was yesterday. Mary, you were actually one of them I was shown that day. Father, I just never told you. Like you walk in high dimensions of power, simply because of loyalty. Then, the third one, that one also spoke to me about love, agape love. That if we really wanted the gifts to increase in the church, we have to learn to love each other. That's something that can, for Jesus to always give it as a commandment, it means when people are together for a while, sometimes that can be a challenge. You have to be deliberate about it. Like Jesus would always say, love each other. Guys, love it. He knew what he was talking about. Because <laughs> sometimes it can be a challenge. Because as you're together for a while, you also get to see imperfections. You also get to get hurt. Sometimes justifiably so. And sometimes it's just our perception. It's like a lot of different things. And the third one talked to me about incense. The third one said, I'm responsible for the collection of the incense from your church. Revelations 8 verse 4, did you see the scripture? I'm just giving you a preamble. Revelations 8 4. If you've read Revelations 8 4, it says, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand, specifically. So that one spoke to me and said, they are responsible for collecting incense from this church. And a few other things which, for some reason, of all three, I couldn't remember the most, the third one. It's like some things were hidden from me until now. And then I asked them a very funny question. I said, so what church do you go to? Because <laughs> at that point, I was still trying to figure it out. <laughs> and then they all looked at me and said at the same time, Bethel. Because Bethel means the house of God. And disappeared. And I woke up and I was like, yeah. <laughs> As in, I was, if you were with me that day, who was with me that day? That's the day we even went to preach at Bishop Banda's church. I was one of the ministers. I don't know who was with me. As in, I was just weird the whole day. Like, I was, nothing interested me. I was just, and then, <laughs> I wasn't minding my environment. I remember I went, I realized I needed something in my stomach to at least give me energy. So I go to this store. I'm just, like, lost, because I keep thinking of the vision. And in the middle of the, in the middle of all that, someone even, the person at the counter says, wait, I know you. I know, they also say it says in the glory of God, by the great, they even paid for me. I was like, this is the glory. <laughs> but I didn't enjoy the food that day. Nothing was nice. I just wanted to be somewhere I could pray. But all I remember is one of the things that happened to me after that moment is I started getting concerned and I would come to church, and let's say we are singing, uh, we're going to praise, 
praise your name. And if I see anyone who's just everything in me would think, does this person know there's an angel that comes to collect incense? As in, are they going to do their part as well? And sometimes I would be in church and I would get concerned. Like, I would almost like, it's almost like, you know, there's this the moment, like this thing inside. Like, you can measure, like, have we done enough today? Did we raise enough? Sometimes the reason why you may have noticed we keep doing one more song, one more song, one more song, one more song. I don't, it's like there's this meter where you're thinking, like, the acceptable level of incense, and then we can go on. Like today. I kept sensing God saying, no, one more. One more. Not yet. Another one. And they're like, I hope that helps someone who's always thinking, why do they always sing one more song? <laughs> but God has not permitted me to go further in that. But we will go further. Now, this part will be very priestly. By the time you're walking out, as in, you even be feeling holy. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Like you walk out of this place and you just be sensing the holiness of God. Because it's a very prestigious. Very prestigious. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like the Israelites did during the rebellion. As I've been sharing, I may have been touching so many different topics, but then the voice of the Spirit to some has been saying, grab more, go for more. But to others, the voice of the Spirit has been saying, you need to be born again. Perhaps to some, the voice of the Spirit has been saying, you need to repent. If you've heard his voice in your heart saying, this is your day, you need to get saved. Don't resist him. There's a lot you'd be missing out. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't need much convincing. Salvation is very wonderful. So I don't want to end today without giving you that opportunity. So if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to be saved. You know, I want to be born again. It doesn't matter where, what you've done or where you've been. God is willing to give you that free gift of salvation today. There are others who may have strayed from the right path and are saying, I just want to get back. This is also your moment. So if any of these things relate to you, without looking at who will lift their hand first, I would like you to raise your hand. Be the first one. I see it. I see it, I see it. I feel there are a few more. Come on. Now you won't be the first one. If there's anyone else, raise your hands as well. There is no way salvation can be here and you're missing out on it. Okay, those who've raised their hands, please stand. Thank you. Wonderful. Stand, please. You can stand. Is there anybody else? 
The Bible is very clear. The Bible says if you hear his voice, don't resist it. Meaning, ideally, the only person who can stand in between you and your salvation is you. Not even Satan. So if you've heard his voice, don't resist. Praise God. Okay. If there's anybody else, I'd like you to raise your hand. Just raise it. And raise it high. I see that hand. I see that one. Anybody else? Okay. Those that have raised their hand, just stand. Come, follow. You can come to the altar as well. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the Is there anybody else? Jesus is calling. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. We can come through. So come to anybody else? The altar. The Father's arms are open. Forgiveness. I'll give one more call out before we. Anybody else wants to join them? The come, 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 come. Come, 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 come. Feel free. Feel free. Feel free. Anybody else? Feel free. Arms are open. Forgiveness. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lift your hands. Say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And today I confess you as my Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give me Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 14. Be filled with the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Oh, what a Savior is an You can take a walk this side. And for the rest of us, there's just one prayer point very quickly. Okay? Seeing that, seeing then that we have a great high priest, it's okay, don't bring the pulpit. Okay. Who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Next verse. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Next verse. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. 
Raise your hands for a moment. If anyone needs to obtain mercy from God for anything, this is the moment. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm talking about something that I practice. I'll give you an example. This week, as I was reading and studying more of the word, I was noticing certain things in myself that needed to die. I was noticing, no, you can be more this, you can be less this, you can be less selfish, you can be more caring, you can be less this, you can be more that. And sometimes God might even give you instances. And in sermons like this, you might realize certain gods you've let <laughs> on the loose. You can just ask him for mercy. You ask him for mercy. That he's always ready to give mercy. Notice he gives mercy because he can sympathize with our weakness. He can sympathize with areas we've not been strong. He sympathizes with areas that we've not been strong. Where we've had challenges. Maybe we've had challenges forgiving. We've had challenges trusting. We've had challenges with all sorts of areas. He gives us mercy. But then it doesn't end there. An altar is a place of exchange. Not only do we obtain mercy, we also find grace to help. Grace is empowerment. Grace is enablement. Grace is not just undeserved favor. It's also divine empowerment. So in this moment, receive strength over that area. Receive mastery over your mind. Receive mastery over your heart. Now, there are moments where maybe God will lead me to declare that. But this one is not a declaration. For a minute. I know we, we, we've, we have to end now. So it will just be for a minute. For a minute. Close your eyes. It's you before the altar of God. Just grab a hold of it yourself. That one doesn't need my involvement. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Grace to finish the race. Grace to walk and not faint. Grace to run and not grow weary. Grace to do good without being worried. Oh God. At the order of God, you exchange your weakness for his strength. That's why it says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Do it with boldness. Actually, boldly say what you've laid down on the altar and boldly say what you've received. For example, boldly say, I've laid down sadness, I received my joy. Like, just be, be bold and practical about it. Be bold and practical about it. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Grace to love you. Grace to hold fast our confession. Grace to live right. Grace to live a godly life. Grace. Suddenly, what was impossible begins to look possible. Because there are shouts of grace, grace. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Saints, the only encouragement I'll leave you with for now, make use of that order. If you have to have a morning session, afternoon session, 16, evening session, midnight session, early morning, don't stop getting back there until that issue is sorted. Make use of that order. He's our ever-present help in times of need. And he doesn't mind being needed every day. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak this blessing over your people. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, oh God, let the spiritual realm become real to them. Let them have dreams. Let them have visions. Let them be caught up in a trance. Let them have impressions. Let them experience what it is to have God. And I pray in the name of Jesus for the ministry of angels. The ministry of angels, angels that bring messages, 
angels that help in areas of finance angels that back up our words let it become so evident so real with mind-blowing testimonies lord may none lack direction may none lack direction now lord i pray for each and every one of us that we all experience divine providence that all our supplies are met in jesus name we all experience divine health we are all protected we're protected on the road we're protected in our homes we're protected in the air we're protected at our workplaces we're protected at our schools now i speak over you in the name of jesus that this is that week you've been waiting for you'll come face to face with your hereafter and we hear that testimony that this is the week you came face to face with it in jesus name there's someone whom in the session they like felt like something leave their body there's been like a cleansing of the system And grace has been given to you to live a godly life, clean life. You have that grace. Praise God. Praise God. Let's have the grace, please. The amazing grace, everybody. The amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.